Hey Guardians, I'm Anon Pig, one of the hosts on the Destiny Lorecast. Uh, this is obviously our first episode, and if you are listening to this, that's probably because you're giving us a shot. And I just want to say thank you for giving us a shot for your Destiny lore um, interests. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of awesome people that you should also go check out, like Mylan Games. My name is Bife, uh, Beard Grizzly, Destiny Ghost Stories, Focus Fire Chat. So many amazing people, uh, and I just wanted to say. Before you listen to this, uh, pardon our dust. You know, this this is our first episode. We were very, very new, uh, very green when it came to something like this. And it is absolutely not our best work. And some of the following episodes as well were just the growing pains and learning how to walk of podcasting and trying to be professional with all of this. Uh, personally, I'd suggest jumping to like episode six or so and just understanding it is it is a growing experience and I feel like we get better with every episode and I feel like we do a better job and promote a better show so if you'll give us a chance we'd really appreciate it and we promise to always always try to improve if you have any feedback on older or newer episodes preferably newer because that's where we are now uh, this email us at destinylorecast at gmail.com and we always read them, we always take them into consideration, and we really, really appreciate every old and new listener. So thank you. Guardians to the first episode of the Destiny Lorecast. This is a brand new podcast focusing on the lore of Destiny. Uh, before we get started, uh, we want to talk about who we are and what we're doing. So uh, I'm going to introduce a fellow co-host. Uh, first up, Anon Pig. Uh, why don't you uh, tell us a little about yourself? Maybe uh, you know, what console you play on, your favorite part of Destiny, kind of what what got you here. Hi, Manon. Um, I play on PS4, and my favorite uh, part of Destiny would absolutely be the Fallen lore. And uh, what sort of got me here is just my experiences on the Bungie forums. One day I saw a post made by Aeon Boom <clears throat> talking about the lore, and everybody in the comment section was uh, harassing him to make a lore group so that everyone can just like come together and talk about it, and he didn't for a week. And every every day of that week, I just pestered him and pestered him, saying, like, make this freaking lore group <laughs> until he finally did. And he's like, do you want to be an admin? And I was like, yeah. And also, oh, shit. <laughs> because if I'm going to be an admin of a lore group, I really got to know my stuff. Like, I can't, I can't just be like, <laughs> I, I don't know, guys. I, I'm just the admin. Don't worry. So <laughs> I just read... I just read the grimoire just straight through, just sat down and read it, and then asked people, what do you want to know about? And they gave me a topic, and I read it again, and I wrote up a post, just kept asking, what do you want to know about? And I'd read it again, and then write up a post. So, nice. reading it a bunch in those days. And uh, now, Married to uh, Baxter from the Ishtar Collective, I work with... God, not again. <laughs> <laughs> I work with uh, Matt 
on Myland Games uh, YouTube channel. Good YouTube. And uh, I'm also doing this. Awesome. Yeah, I remember I would always see your name on uh, Bungie.net kind of before I got into the lore. And I would just be like, this guy posts a lot of stuff about the yeah. story. But And then, you know, met you on Twitter, met you in Slack, and here we are. But, uh, but yeah, next we have uh, on our show is Mythos Mike. So uh, tell us about yourself. Hey, how's it going, guys? Um, I'm Mythos Mike, or is formerly known as uh, Micus from Planet Destiny or from PD, if you might know me on Twitter like that. I uh, got rid of that name because, well, no, kind of stylized myself, of course. Uh, Gamertag is uh, Unit-Omicron. I'm play on uh, PlayStation 4. Uh, definitely not an Xbox guy. Sorry for those of you that own that console. You never get, get to hear my beautiful voice over the mic. Uh, a little bit about myself is uh, I'm a video producer and um, I write articles for uh, PlantDestiny.com, um, which if you're not familiar, uh, we've got a bunch of guys on there that basically just uh, write up anything and everything about the game of Destiny uh, from lore all the way to weapon recommendations to updating our database on the best uh, PvP players in the community. So it's, it's really a catch-all site for everything uh, and everything and everything about uh, Destiny. So it's a huge uh, honor to be a part of that, and I'm really glad to be a member of that team. And my favorite part of Destiny lore and what got me into it was... Um, well, my favorite part of Destiny lore is uh, actually the battles of the city and just like seeing how the city evolved over time. And I'd love to get a little more information about that and actually get to visit the city one one day. Um, beyond that, what really got me into it was actually uh, a kind of a not a mentor, but like an influence of mine. Uh, Wally uh, or Sir Wallen is some people might know him. Unfortunately, he's moved on from Destiny now and he doesn't really make any more videos, but. Um, he uh, was a huge influence at the time, and uh, I was glad to call him a friend for a short while before he moved on with his career. Um, and it was really a huge honor to get to work with him uh, before he left the uh, before he left the game. And he was a a big part. Uh, his videos were a big part of uh, me getting into the lore. So I'm not, you know, I'm not quite as uh, I don't have as many credentials as uh, Anon apparently. So I might just be the background <laughs> guy in this. But you know, I, I'm, I'm fortunate. I, I, I did have uh, my dealings with Sir Wallen as well. He's he's a great guy. I don't I don't talk to him anymore, unfortunately, just because he's moved on to other games. But he's uh, he's a great he's a great guy. Yeah, he, he was a really nice, funny, and smart guy. Yeah, he uh, yeah he's he's uh, he was a pleasure to work with during the time that I got with him. Uh, and I wish I wish he would have stuck around a little longer. It would have been uh, a huge for me. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I always, I, I was always a fan of Planet Destiny, and you know whether it was Sir Wallen, and then when you started doing the videos and stuff, it was always really exciting. So, so definitely glad to have you here. <laughs> um, yeah, and then there's there's me. I'm Handsome Dragon. Uh, not really handsome. My, it's, it's, <laughs> handsome. it's it's not it's not hands on me dragon like some of the guys in my clan call it, but Handsome Dragon. Um, I can I can tell you the story about that later, but. Uh, I'm on Xbox. Uh, I actually, like, I've always liked the lore, um, but I never really got into it until pretty much time of the Taken King. Um, like I would watch Sir Wallen videos. I liked um, 
I'm going to blank on his name, but he did a, did some really cool videos. He did like the, the 10 things you don't know about destiny. And he did a really cool dwindlers Ridge. Oh yeah. Um, uh, video. Shoot. Uh, Mantis. Yeah, uh, Mantis. Yeah, Mantis. Terramantis. Yeah, there. Terra Thank Mantis. you. It was going to drive me crazy. Um, I you know, I loved all their videos and, um, but yeah, but like kind of like you said, both of them kind of moved on to other games. I know Mantis was a huge Dark Souls fan, and so he went, went really deep in that. But like it was kind of just, I didn't really care about it too much. None of my other friends at the time really cared about the lore. They just wanted to raid and play Crucible, and so I I did that. But then my brother sent me a link with the Books of Sorrows. And this was before the Taken King had actually come out. It was a, it like leaked on Ishtar or something. And so everyone was reading it. And and I, I think I just, I just sat there and I read it and I couldn't put it away. I just, I read it from beginning to end. And I was just like, wow, like if this is half as what, you know, the rest of the story is like, what the rest of the grimoires like, like I'm, so I was like, I'm going to get into this. And then it was just randomly, like, two weeks later, X-Ray sent me a message on our Slack. I was like, what do you think about the lore? <laughs> I was like, uh, I like it. I'm learning it. You know, I'm trying to read as much as I can, catch up. And he's like, well, we're going to do this podcast. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, count me in. And uh, so I, I, I joined. That's about when I joined Ghost Stories. And uh, I joined them the day they released their first episode. Um, and so that was cool. So I was, I missed the first episode and then the recording of the second one, but then I think I was on every episode after that up until like 36. But yeah, that was fun. Had a blast. Um, but yeah, now we're, we're kind of going our own ways. I'm here now with you guys and I'm excited for what we're going to do. I still don't know how you put me up to this. Well, um, with that, let's get started. This episode and probably the next, we're going to focus on where are we now, discussing what we, our Guardian experiences in year one and then in year two of Destiny. We'll highlight the key characters, key battles, and key victories. In future weeks, our topics will be more specific, but the beginning of our show and story, and with so many new Guardians joining the ranks with Rise of Iron, we wanted to start at the beginning of the Destiny story. Yeah, so our main topic today is kind of uh, kind of just an overview. Um, you know, we'll we'll start at the beginning. We'll uh, kind of highlight key characters and and whatnot. Um, so first, I'm, we have the Golden Age, uh, the Traveler, the Collapse. Um, so we know from the Eris One or the Human Grimoire cards. We know about Eris One, the first kind of manned or humans to meet the Traveler. And, you know, it talks about meeting the Traveler, the Traveler terraforming these planets in, in our galaxy and solar system, and and then how it just brought new life to everything. Um, you know, the Golden Age Grimoire card says, that, says uh, the Traveler changed everything. It reshaped our solar system as decisively as it shattered our scientific and philosophical frameworks. To our ancestors, it must have been a hammer blow a glimpse beyond the horizon of expected possibility and into a realm of transcendent power. Um, so it kind of just changed the world we lived in, you know, age, you know, age, age tripled for, for human lifespans. Um, mm. People in their nineties were at the prime of their, their lives and the smartest they've ever been. Yeah. What do you guys, what are your thoughts on the golden age? 
It's. I wish we knew more about it. It's uh, obviously we'll get to it a little bit later, but the collapse destroyed a lot of our knowledge of it. So we don't have, mm-hmm. you know, an entirely huge amount of information on it. I mean, we know the basic facts, um, where our settlements were, uh, some basic corporations that were a big part of it, like uh, the research academies at Ishtar, and um, oh, someone help me out here. Oh, the Bray, the uh, the Bray uh, mm-hmm. complexes on Mars. Um, but we don't we don't have a lot of information about uh, the time from in between Commander Jacob Hardy's expedition to Mars and seeing the Traveler all the way up to the collapse. There's not a huge amount of information on it. I hope that's something mm-hmm. that um, our Guardian and the Cryptarchs will be able to uncover in uh, in future uh, in the future releases of Destiny. One thing I'm actually um, really interested to learn more about is how much did the Traveler actually do? Because as, as time goes on, it seems w- what the Traveler actually brought us was very small in terms of what we think it did. Like, we mm-hmm. think that it it almost did everything for us, but really it almost just unlocked our potential and then hung out. And mm-hmm. then with the collapse, we essentially just lost everything we had and we're just looking at everything in ruins and thinking, well, it must be the God that came to us a century ago. And it's just our only explanation. So it's, it's just sort of like, is that uh, sort of a parallel to the fallen? Like did the traveler really not do much for them? But then when everything was lost, they just were like, that was our God. That was our answer. We need it back, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, so tell me about the traveler a little bit. Well, the Traveler is, is uh, the more uh, uncultured portions of the community. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it's a big white orb. Um, it's, it hovers above the last city, uh, as we know, shattered, broken after the collapse. Uh, according to uh, the legends, it helped save us. Um, we're not really quite sure what it is. Uh, the speaker might know, but he's not hasn't exactly been... Uh, front up about his knowledge about it. <laughs> and even the Grimoire card around the Traveler doesn't really give us much answers. It, it's, uh, it says um, it gave us gifts that transformed the solar system and the nature of human life. It ushered in the Golden Age, a time of miracles, but it never shared its deepest secrets. Where did the Traveler come from? Why did it offer us so much? Did it know it was being hunted across the stars? And why, when the darkness con- came, excuse me, did it choose to stay and fight for us? Uh, again, we don't really know much about it. We don't know, because of the uh, mm-hmm. lost knowledge from the Golden Age, we don't know exactly how it benefited us. And like uh, like Anon uh, touched on, we don't even know if it helped us. We don't know exactly, uh, beyond b- unlocking our potential, as you put it, uh, we don't know mm-hmm. exactly if it helped us with that. It, the, uh, the Golden Age grimoire says, the Traveler kindled the Golden Age, but we built it. So it's interesting mm-hmm. that we revere it as this god of creation and um, our savior during the collapse, which uh, saved the small remnants of humanity that we have remaining in the last city. But we really don't know much about our savior. Yeah. Yeah, it was, that was one thing that was cool about the Books of Sorrows, too, is that it gave us a little bit more info on the uh, on the Traveler, you know, kind of talked about it in in relation to oryx and oryx's sisters and how they they pursued the traveler across you know the 
across the stars as well. Um, mm. So that was that was interesting, and you got to see the relationship with the traveler and other civilizations. You, know, you met the the Elixni, uh, the Yukimim, uh Council, um, and so that was cool to, and interesting to kind of see what the traveler did to these, like in re- respect to other species and other um, worlds, and then and then ask that question. You know, why did it stay with us? You know, and then there's theories of whether it stayed willingly or perhaps it was forced by something. But, you know, definitely more questions regarding the Traveler than answers at this point. I wonder if um, that whole time was what it's referring to in the Grimoire card, the Traveler, but it never shared its dark, its deepest secrets. Just the whole time of being chased, like if that mm-hmm. was its deepest secret, all the civilizations that fell as as it just <laughs> went about its business. Yeah, I don't think we would have been as receptive if it traveler would have come in and said, "Hey, just yeah. so you know, I just left five other civilizations and they're all dead now, but I'll help you out." <laughs> yeah, we certainly yeah. didn't greet it. Uh, the most peaceful way. I mean, everyone remembers the opening cutscene with uh, Commander <laughs> Commander Hardy. They're they're carrying uh, firearms. Mm-hmm. They, he uh, he says in one of the uh, Grimoire cards that he wishes he didn't have to carry them, but ended up being that they didn't need them. But mm. yeah, still yeah. That's I thought that was interesting because that's kind of I mean, in our like movies and TV shows. Anytime there's you know extraterrestrial life, you know coming to Earth or visiting, and like there's always you're the one group that's like, you know, we need missiles, we need bombs, we need guns, and then there's always the others that are, no, it's it's here for it's here peacefully. It's and so it's kind of interesting. I thought it was interesting that they kind of had that similar relationship here with the traveler. But uh, but then going on, uh, you know, Grimoire of the Darkness says, you know, something hit us, something killed our golden age, nearly wiped us out. Only the traveler saved us, and at a shattering cost. And so this is uh. You know, when the collapse takes place, mm-hmm. um, we, pretty, we lost pretty much everything. Um, countless lives lost, you know, only scattered remnants of civil, our civilization survived this, this attack. And uh, this traveler itself barely survived this attack. Um, we don't know much about the darkness either. Another thing that we don't get a lot of answers about, but. You know, the speaker says the speaker tells us of a cosmic force that swept over us and caused the collapse. Um, the legends call it the darkness, the traveler's ancient enemy, which hunted it across the space. Um, I always thought that was interesting just because we do know that Oryx and his sisters in the hive did hunt the traveler, but I don't think that, yeah, that's, that's getting into other deeper theories. They were never, they were never <laughs> yeah. really called the darkness. Yeah, they, exactly. They, serve the deep which i don't want to directly say is uh the darkness you know but like maybe a little more of that type of Mm -hmm. thing but it's a little harder to say yeah yeah so everyone there's just questions now even you know in the grimoire card card it says all we have left are questions centuries of debate gave birth to competing arguments on the nature of the darkness uh, and it kind of goes through and has different descriptions of the darkness according to different uh, guardians and the scholars. And 
a bunch of different ones, but that led into the uh, the Dark Age, and that's kind of when we start get getting a uh, kind of our civilization back. You know, it's it is you know the Dark Ages as it calls, and you know reminiscent to the the medieval Dark Ages. You know, people didn't we didn't have much in these Dark Ages. You know, people lived by you know the one one rule on whose gun was fastest. You know who was the the ruler of the land and they kind of broke into you know who was the leader of the town like uh what's a fifle kind of like a fifle system mm-hmm. a really great example of this is like uh the what's the term like the uh paradigm of dark age stories is the uh shin malfur last word and dredgen yor and the rose story mm-hmm. I, I think especially the first few cards give a really um a really great view into what life was like especially um the sh- the uh, short little snapshot we get into uh in the yeah. town of palamon uh which is um malfur's uh hometown basically and uh it was a lawless place they had a, a mayor I, his name escapes me off the top of my head Magistrate Loken. Um, that's right, Magistrate Loken, and he ruled with an iron fist. Um, and Zavala says one of his idle, um, one of his idle quotes in the towers that the uh, the Dark Age was a time of kings. Um, thousands of kings rose and fell during this time, and none of them were really ever, um, never really brought us back to glory. Uh, and uh, he, because of that, Zavala thinks that well we'll get onto the factions later i won't won't get into that now <laughs> but yeah that, that's that snapshot with into palamon was uh is a huge boon for us into looking into what life was like in the according to certain uh timelines that uh, other other lore scholars like ourselves have dreamed up the dark age lasted for centuries and until we founded the city you want to move into mm-hmm. that? Yeah, and uh, and one more thing on the Dark Age too, or in the collapse rather. Um, that's also kind of when we get this other race, um, um, the the Awoken, um, and mm-hmm. it's the Grimar card. The Awoken mm-hmm. is a. Uh, it says it is said that the Awoken were born in the collapse, descended from those who tried to flee its wrath. Something happened to them out on the edge of the deep black, and they were forever changed. And, and so kind of the background for that was, you know, when the, the darkness was at- preparing to attack, um, a lot of humans tried to flee Earth and they tried to escape the the invasion. Um, and then they were kind of apparently just kind of caught in the middle. And, you know, we don't know details. We don't know how, what, when or why. But, you know, out of this was became the, the Awoken. And uh, you know their home, right? Their kind of home planet is the the reef with the the queen. So hopefully we get a little more info on that in the future as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh, as we were touching on just a little bit earlier, we the most of the survivors chose to live in these small little settlements before uh, word passed down through uh, the risen, as the guardians were known before. Um, or they became known as protectors of the city, uh, of a sanctuary below, right beneath the now quiet and 
as they assumed at the time, deceased traveler uh, is, it's only known as the city or the last city. And uh, the card says, every wayward soul unlucky enough to be born outside the city's protecting arms whispers its truth across the wastes. A metropolis risen from the ashes of the collapse, sheltered by the traveler. It is a promise and a dream, the only refuge from the darkness. The city is a walled, uh, thriving walled ecumene. Not pronouncing that correctly. Uh, Ecumen. Ecumen, thank you. Rich with the languages and traditions of every surviving human and neo-human culture, which includes uh, Exos and uh, Awoken, at least the Earthborn Awoken. Um, The city's population faces real challenges, inequality, fear, scarcity, and the specter of internal strife. But the great traditions of the Golden Age live on, and many classes of suffering and injustice have been eradicated forever. So, now... Uh, sorry, if you don't mind me interrupting, let me mm-hmm. double check here. Uh, you said that the neo-human culture is referring to... Huh. Okay. Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if this is how it's going to be, i got to second guess me all the time. I don't, I don't know if I can do this, man. <laughs> Hey, we gotta, we gotta keep each other honest. <laughs> no, I could have sworn that there was reference to neo humans before, uh, before the collapse. So when you called it uh, awoken, I was like, "Wait, no, it can't be," because awoken didn't exist until the collapse. But like, just searching neo human, like it just that one card. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so that neo human yeah. just means non human, so that could include. You know, exos well. as well. So we'll, I guess we'll continue with now. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I was, that's an, entirely my bad. Like, I was like, wait a second. Like, it never occurred to me that Neo Human could just be as simple as Awoken. <laughs> like, yeah. What do you mean it's not super complex and mystery? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they just, they give us the direct answer and we just, choose not to see it <laughs> yeah that, that's that's, that's an issue <laughs> well uh, but I, i'm actually really excited about rise of iron kind of for this reason um because at to this point we don't have a lot of information about the bringing up of the city um these early days kind of in between the dark age and the city age it, it kind of sounds like we're going to be getting a lot of info on that so i'm really excited to to kind of hear mm-hmm. the story of the the iron lords the warlords the you know, the early days of the factions in the city. So it's going to be really exciting. I'd love to hear more about the other factions than the three that we actually see. Because mm-hmm. there's uh, Concord at, which we know a, a decent amount about, but then there's also Symmetry, which we know virtually nothing about. Mm-hmm. Seven and Saris. I feel like there's another. Seven Saris? No. Uh, there's one on a hunter cloak, isn't there? Oh, uh, the binary star cult. Yeah, see, those two I wouldn't really necessarily uh, consider factions. Binary Star Cult because they don't uh, they don't seem to even be in the within the city's um, perimeter. Like I feel like they're just like out hidden somewhere, based on uh, some of the context mm-hmm. of, around them. And Seven Seraphs. I don't even know where to go with them. <laughs> they're originally going to be in the game. They're not going to be in the game uh, as of right now. I, you can also, if you want to throw them in, uh, the forces of the city. Um, yeah. 
their FOTC. Mm-hmm, FOTC. Uh, a lot of people aren't aware of them, but um, they were kind of cut from the final game. Uh, but there's there's still references to them. Like um, if you see the drop ships that hover up to the um, to the tower when you're just walking around in the tower. Uh, they have FOTC uh, logos on the sides of them. Um, mm-hmm. So the forces of the city are, well, our regular everyday men and women that basically just fight as protectors for the city that aren't blessed with the traveler's light, that aren't guardians. So that they won't exactly have the jump ships. They won't be jumping to uh, Saturn to be fighting, you know, uh, going to say i'll just say oryx <laughs> it's going to try to use the symbol there but i, I ran about out of ideas <laughs> uh, but we so we don't have too much information on them but uh we might see at least a card or two in the future about them i'd like to yeah like that essentially any anytime you see that um that dot uh symbol you know what i mean the um the mats in front of the vaults that have that like little symbol of like all the dots arranged in an almost mm-hmm. circle. Mm-hmm. That's the FOT symbol. Mm-hmm. FOTC symbol. It's hard to make it's... out in certain areas, but if you have mm-hmm. if you have a close eye, you can certainly see it. Yeah, all the uh, the flags on spawn points, and there's several spawn points that we don't actually just naturally have access to on uh, patrol that you can find like outside the waking ruins on Venus. Mm-hmm. They all have they all have the FOT symbol mm-hmm. FOTC symbol. Oh my God! So, <laughs> Guardians, if you're looking in uh, the wilderness of Venus or Mars, where you where you start, um, where you start the strike for um, the Dust Palace strike. So the uh, the Scion flares, as most people know it. Um, if you look around, as soon as you spawn in, you'll see some crates and a flag, and that flag is uh, the symbol of the forces of the city. Hmm. Yeah, yeah a lot of a lot of weapons have that symbol on it. It's, yeah, it's cool. It's cool when you can see them. Mm-hmm. You won't You're see like, it a oh, lot of legendaries, that. but <laughs> nice. Yeah. So then, uh, we kind of get introduced to uh, to guardians. Um, mm. So at this point, we have you know you have humans, you know awoken exos, and you also have guardians. Um, and the grimoire for guardians it says guardians are warriors forged in the traveler's light. A final hope in a universe falling into darkness. Chosen from the dead by the traveler's ghosts, guardians are those few or rare few able to wield the light as a weapon. For centuries they have defended the city, but that defense cannot hold forever. Now, with the darkness rising again, the time has come to retake our lost worlds. The guardians who lead the way will save humanity and become legend. A legend. I've heard that before. <laughs> Just a few times. <laughs> they don't use it much in marketing materials anymore, but if you still watch like the V Docs from Vanilla, it's it's all over those. Mm-hmm. You hear the speakers saying it in the uh, the old cinematic trailers, for example. So who are the Guardians exactly? We are. We are. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So next topic. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, done. Easy. <laughs> Mop it up. We're done. <laughs> so uh, there's there's a little bit of um, I don't want to say confusion, but just like a few things that we're not entirely sure about with guardians because they seem to sort of 
leave it like open for other possibilities. Like here they say uh, chosen from the dead by the traveler's ghosts. And for most purposes, we understand that to be true. But also um, it says rare few able to wield light as a weapon where again, going back to the um, Shin Malfer story, Based on the information, it seems like pretty undeniable that he was not chosen from the dead and also wielded light as a weapon. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. there might be loopholes to this, but the conventional means of a guardian uh, rising is a ghost finding the dead and whatever it is within the dead that they are looking for uh, personally. I think it's it's uh, intellect, discipline, and strength. <laughs> uh, insane. Where'd you get that from? <laughs> this, you know, the game. <laughs> <laughs> it's right there. Uh, that's that's the conventional means of becoming a guardian, and then from there, going back to the tower, um, meeting some of the the characters uh, that we're about to talk about. And then training, all that good stuff. I mean, unless you're, unless you're our guardian, we don't need any training. We can pick up a uh, pre-Golden Age rifle and kill about 50 fallen without any prior military training. <laughs> but hey, you know, just uh, days in the life. Day in the think, life of a guardian. Exactly. I, I think I'd be able to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Point at head and pull trigger. Yeah. <laughs> Unless like, you have I've the... never shot a gun, but I've played a lot of laser tag. <laughs> like I can do this. I mean, uh, I probably shouldn't say point ahead because if you're looking at the uh the previews for the uh the the fallen Siva dregs of the House of Devils in the uh in Rise of oh Iron, God. if you shoot them in the head, they uh they spawn those little exploder things, which I can't remember the name of off the top of my head, and they'll they'll come after you, so you have to go for body shots on them. We can just call like them Siva Seekers. Oh, is that that works? That, that's that's. A, that I, I don't think that's the official name, but I mean, like it's catchy. So. I, I like the alliteration. It, it works. Yeah. Classy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so then we get you know, in the tower we have kind of the main characters in uh for Vanilla Destiny. Um, so, you know, the main one or the first one we're introduced to is the speaker. Um, who wants to tell me about the speaker? There was a time when we were much more powerful. <laughs> Bill, Bill Nye, if, if, if nothing else, even though the speaker has taken somewhat of a backseat role, Bill Nye did a fabulous job with the, uh, the voice acting that he had. Um, so the speaker, he, as he puts it into his own words, uh, until it finds and wakes his voice, I am the one who speaks for the traveler. So the speaker is... Um, a sort of war, not a, well, we don't know if he's a warrior himself, uh, but the Grimoire card itself says, uh, there has always been a speaker, an anonymous high priest with a mysterious and powerful connection to the traveler and its ghosts. In all the centuries, his, in all the century of the city's history, the speaker's great work has never changed to guide new guardians, heal the traveler and raise our crippled protector from its slumber. So He's, it can almost be seen as a de facto leader of the city, and uh, if you're discounting the consensus, who I'm sure we'll go over at a later date, um, mm. the, and also the, the vanguard. He can, also, he can be seen as either a mentor 
a protector or and a leader of the um, of the last city. Um, and we know from other cards that he is, um, along with the consensus and the vanguard, one of the one of the three um, ruling bodies. I would say of the uh, of the last city. Uh, yeah. So he's very he's a very important individual. Where even though he's not that important to the story right now, I don't know when we'll get the next points of dialogue from him, or if we'll see anything from his character until the tenth year. But as of right now, he he doesn't have much of a role. But um, well, they actually uh, they actually sort of wrote that silence into the lore. There's, um, I think it's an item description or a quest description where the ghost talks about how the speaker used to talk a lot more, like before we came, like to say that there's something sort of special about us, almost like where the turning of the tides and the speaker's starting to realize that and he's sort of being more reflective of everything now instead of just being more like i need to lead i need to talk i need to say what to do and now it's just more like i need to watch i need to see what's happening and be aware of what's going on he's gotten really good at delegating mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he actually uh one other thing i'd like to point on before we move on to our vanguard is uh, he actually has his own ghost. Uh, you'll notice mm-hmm. it hovering next to him in the tower, but we actually don't know if he's considered a guardian or um, if he simply has it because he's the, as he puts it, the voice of the traveler. Uh, so that's an interesting uh, debate mm-hmm. for somewhere along the line is if he's actually, we can consider him a guardian or not, or if he is just a mentor of guardian. Yeah, mm. and the way the Grimoire card is written to it doesn't. It kind of leaves it open to whether this is the if it's been the same speaker the entire time, mm-hmm. or if there's possibly been multiple. In the U.S. says there has always been a speaker, um, so it's you know it's we've kind of just assumed at least I did in the beginning that it was you know the speaker has been the speaker since there was a speaker, but you know it's definitely possible that it's kind of like the. You know, you kind of just get into, yeah, exactly. Like you kind of, yeah. you know, who like, knows if it's the same person this entire time or not. Well, I do. As have, much as sorry, as much as I don't want it to be, there's more than one, or there has been more than one speaker. Especially with the fact that it's an anonymous high priest. Like you, you don't really know. Uh, to its own card, no one really knew who the speaker was. Mm-hmm. So to always have been a speaker it's like you could have changed him 20 times and he's just another faceless figure mm-hmm. well yeah, anyone wearing that mask is the speaker it's it's a lot of influence the <laughs> uh the mask of the, the the mask of the speaker is referenced as a symbol several times in other cards it's a very very influential and powerful position in the city and whether that influence is being used for good purposes is up for debate at the moment, but that's something mm-hmm. for another time. So I think we can move on to uh, some of the more vocal characters uh, that have been developed, especially with the recent, not so recent release of <laughs> not so recent release of <laughs> Taken King anymore. Is um, our three uh, vanguards of the tower, um, Commander Zavala, Ikora Ray, and our the lovely voiced Nathan Fillion Cade 6 um, the exo um, uh, I'm forgetting the name Hunter Hunter 
Vanguard. That's <laughs> that's the class. That's I, the word. My apologies. I'm not a big fan of hunters, but uh, we'll start off with. I think, I think I'm done here. <laughs> uh, we just lost one of our hosts. All right, <laughs> I suppose we can start off with. Uh, we'll start off with Cade Six in that case. How about that, Anon? You can go ahead and explain our, yeah. our lovely. I, I, can, I, I can talk a little bit about Cade. Cade is great. He is good. done. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's great. The, the Grimmer card Hunter Vanguard. Kate 6 was a daring hunter with a fast ship, a quick gun hand, and an eye on the legendary Vault of Glass. Of course, he couldn't say no to a challenge, not even the n- notorious Vanguard Dare. He lost the bet to his immense regret. Now, following in the footsteps of his fallen friend Andal Brask, it is Cade's turn to oversee the far-flung brethren as the hunter vanguard in the tower. He works dutifully, but longs for a chance to get back into the fight. And uh, just to talk about Cade, everyone knows it. It's really just rehashing the same thing. But hanging out with him, he'll whisper things like, Take me with you. And um, I believe he says, Thank the Traveler. But I have heard people, and I've also thought myself, he says, like the Traveler, which worries me. Uh, I only have a year left. So I don't think Cade will be the Vanguard uh, mentor for very much longer. <laughs> In any case, it, it seems like he's finally able to revise his position, whether or not it's... Um, someone will definitely be replacing him or if he's just going to try to get someone to replace him and it's just going to fail. If uh, you look at the, uh, the line, the first line there, not the first line, one of the lines, uh, mm-hmm. not even the notorious Vanguard there. Well, we don't really have any information on exactly what the Vanguard dare was. Uh, we do know that the previous... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the previous vanguard of the hunters, Andal Brask, was murdered by. Um, oh goodness, what's his name? He's the, one of the strike bosses. Tanix the Scarred. Tanix, Tanix the Scarred. Um, or Tanix the Houseman, if you prefer. <laughs> he um, unfortunately he was uh, murdered in the line of duty by Tanix, uh, who's actually kind of has a few references in the lore. Uh, Tanix did before he was finally put down by our guardians. Um, so it's, it is possible that Cade at some point down the road, uh, his, uh, tenure under this, uh, infamous Vanguard dare could come to an end and we could see him replaced by someone else. But that does mean that we might see him in the future out in the wild. And that prospect does, um, it's pretty exciting. It it does. It does excite (laughs) me. It is a very interesting concept. Especially since we should be seeing um, our good friend Lord Saladin out in the uh, wilderness this time around, I'd like to see that mm-hmm. myself. But we'll see. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he's played uh, the character that's voiced by uh, Nathan Fillion, and, and he did, does an amazing job with the with the lines. And I love, you know, the the character they kind of made put him in or kind of transformed him into being as kind of this smartass you know, serious, but somewhat comical character. Um, like I was thinking about the other day and it kind of, he reminds me of, uh, Chris Pratt's character from, uh, guardians of the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> I love the comparison. Star Lord, Star Lord. I can definitely oh, yeah. see that. And then I was like, think, cause I was looking at these notes. I was like, all right, so who would a be? And so a would be the, you know, the, 
the mistress in the, the show, and then Groot would be Zavala. I was like, oh, that works. <laughs> I am Groot. I'd love to see. <laughs> I feel like we uh, might see some fan art of that at some point. That would be funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, then... But- before we get off, uh, before we get off, Cade, I was I was looking for it. I found it. Uh, just on the topic of the Vanguard Dare, there is an item. Uh, I think it's a quest. Yeah, it's a quest step. Uh, Cade's challenge. It is true that finding a hunter representative to the Vanguard has always been difficult. Their independent point of view is not something we can survive without, though. And so. Over the years, we've had the hunter mentors come and go. That is, of course, what the dare is for, Zavala. So the dare is a specific action. Like we we don't know enough about it. Say what it is, but it's definitely a. It's something that it's it's just it's talked about like it's a known thing in the hunter community, and mm-hmm. almost like it's it's the thing you don't want to talk about because you don't want to be a part of the dare at the yeah. same time. Mm-hmm. So, don't yes. dare. <laughs> Speaking of which, we have a hunter in the room, but Chad, what is what is your uh, class of choice? Oh, I'm a warlock. I am a warlock as well. That's good to hear. Yeah, although I did start out the game as a titan, but that's a, that's a different story. <laughs> um, but so our, our warlock representative for the vanguard is Ikora. Yeah, Ikora Ray. And so the Grimoire Warlock Vanguard is a uh, Akora Ray's second life has been long and colorful. As an I- iconoclastic new guardian, she made a reputation in the Crucible and in the halls of Warlock scholarship as an outspoken, unrelenting opponent with no patience for dogma or etiquette. That reputation became a burden, and Ikora chose to travel alone, flying reconnaissance across the worlds of the inner solar system. Shot down again and again, she and her ghost survived the wilderness or survived against all odds, apparently preferring the wilderness to the company of her fellow guardians. She kind of sounds like a hunter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when, when Ikora finally returned to the city to rest, her hard-won knowledge and seasoned temperament commanded the respect of her fellow warlocks. She now serves in the vanguard as a mentor and leader, carrying the memory of her wandering days as a link to rising guardians. Is um, I wouldn't call her necessarily mysterious, but she's a very, uh, I, I get the feeling that we have uh, more of a background of Ikora that we'll be getting in the future, more information about these um, these adventures that she had before she came back to the mm-hmm. tower um, in the, sometime in the future, because she seems, she seems uh, to be a very complex individual. Uh, obviously, she has very close relations with uh, another individual beginning to later, Eris Morn. And the very fact that she... Um, I guess we'll go ahead and touch on... Do we want to touch on the hidden? Yeah, yeah, we can mention Okay. It. Well, uh, for those of you that don't know, before I get into this, um, Ikora has a group of um, warlocks, and if I guess we can count Eris as a hunter... He is, she is a hunter, um, as confirmed on yeah. some stream Harris somewhere. Harris is a hunter and is in the hidden. She's, so. She says herself that she's not a guardian anymore, but before, uh, before the events in the Hellmouth, um, she was a, a hunter. Um, so she has her own... Um, what, how does she word it herself? Are they spies, informants... 
How do we want to put that exactly? Uh, I had it written ball. down. <laughs> yeah. Let me so, see if I can find something. Okay. Keep talking in the meantime. So the hidden are a group of warlocks and heiress <laughs> that um, serve as informants or in spies for Ikora. Um, we see we see them referenced once in one of the cinematics. Um, and Ikora makes uh, passing references to them. I think during the PSX or PS4 exclusive strike, the um, oh goodness gracious, the <laughs> echo chamber, echo chamber. Thank you. Uh, the echo chamber. She <laughs> references that <laughs> that the hidden discovered the um, the nature of the arc streams, uh, which we one of the mechanics in that strike. Uh, so we take a part in that. Um, so they, they're. I think they're probably a very small order, but they have many, many duties, and uh, they they're very, very important to Ikora and I, both Ikora and uh, the rest of the Vanguard. They play a critical role in intelligence gathering for uh, the intel that we have on our. Nice. Yeah, so I found the I got found the description. It's from uh, the Eris Morn Grimoire card. Actually, uh, it says. You know, operating as one of Ikora Ray's hidden, a clandestine group of guardians tasked with silently infiltrating enemy strongholds and gathering vital intel for the warlocks. So yeah, it's basically a group of spies. Mm-hmm. Well, see, I know it says gathering info for the warlocks, but it, it also says clandestine group of guardians. So mm-hmm. do I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say that it's it's an, a warlock exclusive group with Eris being the exception, but more like it's just. Like Eris is the only one that we know is a member of the Hidden, mm-hmm. so it's. Just, mm-hmm. I think it, I think it's any Guardian can become a Hidden. It's just they give the info to the Warlocks who then, uh, uh, not strategize. What's that? Uh, what's like the, the uh, Pajari the... Y ratio? Oh yeah, the oh, uh, uh, number of battles Titans win compared to the battles Warlocks. So I think it's I think it's sort of like that. It's it's to give them the intel so they can plan attacks and uh, yeah, it's the like amount that. of time warlocks spend planning battles versus time titans spend winning them. There you go. So that's that's the purpose of the hidden to allow titans to go out winning battles while mm-hmm. uh, warlocks right, like for some reason they're just hanging out at the tower planning the battles that are already going on. Yeah, and I know some of the of fighting. kind of some of the kind of negative traits that people gave warlocks was that they were kind of slow to action. They had to stop and really plan like you know the the way Pajari ratio is an example, you know, they would sit there and plan their battle while you know the Titans are just out there winning it. Um but then there was that gr- a group of or a sect within the warlocks where they are more aggressive um, Praxic, uh, area, yeah, the Praxic, Praxic warlocks, and so, but I think that in my mind, the hidden were kind of a group to kind of just to help that you know, if you can get spies going out there to help them plan and gather information faster, then they can get the warlocks yeah. into the battle faster. Yeah. Uh, one other thing about Ikora is actually a quote from Shax. Uh, Ikora's gift from the light is like few I've ever seen. Um, 
personally, I've accounted that uh, because he said that before uh, Taken King came out. I'm not sure how soon before it, it could be. Uh, it was what? It was vanilla. Oh, is that vanilla? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Personally, uh, when I first like when I first heard that, I was like, so Ikora has got something special, like some special ability, and then. Taken King came out, and we got the Stormcaller ability, which she walked us through how to mm-hmm. how to uh, control. I always mm-hmm. felt like that was a good explanation, or not explanation, uh, good evidence suggesting that she's always been a Stormcaller. She's just never shared it with the other Warlocks, whether because she felt that they weren't ready or... Um, or yeah, she it's just, just a wanted different it level. for herself. Yeah, okay. probably you know, the very, first one. <laughs> yeah, and you know, we kind of got from from that quest line. We kind of got information about you know how how hard it is to be a stormcaller and how much focus and yeah. dedication it takes. Um, you know, and then I think she even mentions that very few warlocks can you know handle it, handle mm-hmm. that power. Yeah. She also that's, you're just channeling the storm when you're yeah. a stormcaller, mm-hmm. right? Like everything else, it's like. You're sort of like using the power, whereas Stormcaller, it's just the power is flowing through you. It's not, it's almost not your own power. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you, you have to receive it for like all the other powers, but you have to receive it from, uh, uh, I don't remember the name of the boss. It's the Vex boss that has the power of the Ark. Um, the Ocean. Goodness, you know everything, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, Theosian. Uh, um, so that's a good point. You, you don't exactly obtain the power as much as you channel it through you. That's that's a very good point. It's a real shame that Xbox won't be able to play that strike until next year. That's I agree. <laughs> Although. Uh, it's it's very disappointing. The first time the first time I played that strike, I was super excited because going up to the final boss battle, um, and I guess spoiler, the boss looks like a giant phoenix flapping its wings, and then it comes out and it just turns into a jellyfish, and it's like, oh, are <laughs> uh, the Vex are just great? Yeah, gotta love their. It was so cool, <laughs> and then they ruined it. <laughs> So on that note, we'll move on to our final, uh, our final Vanguard member there, uh, Commander Zavala, um, the bald-headed warlock, not warlock, bald-headed Awoken, rather. He's a titan, uh, bald-headed titan that uh, stands in the tower with his hands behind his back, uh, looking at <laughs> papers all day. Um, he... Um, a lot of people see him as almost the leader of the vanguard, um, whereas he personally, I don't see him as much as a leader of the vanguard as much as he is a leader of the defense of the city. Uh, we we see in other cards that he's referenced as uh, commander of the city's forces. Um, if anyone else wants to touch on that before I keep rambling, rambling uh, on, I I would. Uh, He's seen as the uh, the leader of the Vanguard because he's got the title of the Vanguard Commander. Uh, the rest of the Vanguard, I, I guess, Ikora and Cade, will go to him to go to uh, the Speaker. 
So the sort of the chain of power would be the speaker, then Zavala, and then Ikora and Cade beneath him. There, are, there are quest steps that are. Uh, I always forget them. I always tell myself I'm just going to write this down somewhere, but I never do. <laughs> uh, there are quest steps or item descriptions that are. Uh, it's like Cade writing to Zavala, Ikora writing to Zavala, but then yeah. Zavala writes directly to the speaker. So he's he's the vanguard commander, whereas Cade and Ikora are just vanguard mentors. So he is he is a, he is actually a step above everybody else. That was also <laughs> the uh, position that Osiris held when he, or if he actually ever held it, he was offered it. I guess we don't know if he actually was like, yeah, I'll do that. He might have just been like, nah, I'm gonna <laughs> leave the city now. I'm on my way to Mercury right now. Yeah, <laughs> guys, don't you see me packing my bags? Why are you offering me this? I'll be back. Uh, never. Yeah. To hit on that, uh, this isn't this isn't uh, Cade to uh, Zavala, but we see uh, Arak Jalal uh, during the outbound signal mission. Um, it says Arak Jalal report to Zavala and the speaker. I, it lists Zavala yeah. first, and then it, it runs through him to the speaker. So even with the factions, that's the case. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to touch on on our friend Zavala? Um, I see. do have something. If no one else wants to yep, say, go for it. It. oh god, the um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's uh, and it's a shame that Xbox, if I'm right, uh, won't see it. Zavala actually has the uh, same armor as the April updates, uh, PlayStation exclusive armor. Uh, the Jovian Guard, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. I just think I just think it's interesting that the armor called Jovian Guard is also the armor the Awoken Vanguard is wearing, um, and then also on his chest plate and I believe on his shoulder piece, uh, he has the Twin Eagle, which is. Uh, Usually related to the the cormorant, cormorant, um, which mm-hmm. we've only ever seen direct uh, relations between that and the warlocks, specifically the Praxic warlocks and the titans on Zavala's armor, and also on a titan mark, uh, the cormorant seal. But there's also a dark below uh, chess piece. I don't recall the name of it from the Crucible vendor uh, from Shax that had a very worn cormorant seal on the chest plate, but it's uh, the cormorant hunters... The what? It's uh, the cormorant lines armors, I believe you're looking for. No, hunter armor. Oh, my apologies. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Crucible hunter armor back from the dark below had the, a very faded twin eagle on it, uh, but that might actually just be Titan armor because hunters actually do repurpose Titan armor for their own. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, moving on from there, we, we touched on, I, I've mentioned him uh, and we've graced by, but we have the three large factions of the city. Um, and I, I guess we can also include the uh, the consensus along with this, if we'd like to touch on that during this. Um, yeah, we can talk about it. Okay. Well, uh, what, what is everyone's uh, faction of choice? Uh, future War Cult. Uh, d- dead Orbit. Oh. No, I'm Dead Orbit. 
I'm dead orbit as well. <laughs> oh, uh, let's let's just pack up and leave. Yeah, that, that's a great idea. Leave. This. I, I will. I will say, as far as a uh, lore and what what faction I want to get more lore on, it's definitely definitely Future War Cult. Like kind of the the backstory to that to me is the most exciting. But I've always, you know, it started out as a quest to get the Revenant Shader. And so I was dead orbit <laughs> from day one on a quest to get that. But it's, oh. yeah. If we can keep recording this. Now, <laughs> uh... we'll, we'll, we'll call it even. You don't like Hunters. We don't like Future War Cult. <laughs> so yeah. we're good. Uh, I, don't, I don't need, I don't need a War Fanatic. <laughs> <laughs> Like, hey, like, if you wanted to fight and keep fighting until you die, that's your own business, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna live. <laughs> At least we all agree that new monarchies, uh, oh, I, they're shady. They are the fair, the very fact that they, they're, I guess we'll touch on this, um, since we're, we're touching on yeah. the goals of new monarchy are obviously is, um, along with their representative executor Hideo in the tower, um, they're trying to protect the last city is one of their um, one of their tenants, which I can actually I'll get try and get the tenants in front of me. I you. got it. Oh, do you have it for me? Actually, I have it too. Uh, so I, I guess I can read off these tenants for new monarchy. Uh, number one is to secure our walls against the uh, the enemy without, and to secure the rights and liberties of every upstanding citizen. So they go on to say that they want to protect the city. Um, their first six tenets are to protect the city, nurture the city, protect the city, help the guardians, that kind of thing. But the seventh uh, tenant is the most interesting to me. It um, it reads, to, by the vote of the consensus, abolish the consensus and transfer ultimate power in order that the <laughs> rights and liberties of all citizens to be secured to a single sovereign of unimpeachable, unimpeachable character. And... Um, through one of uh, Zavala's, who we touched on, Commander Zavala's um, uh, dialogue in the tower, he says, uh, I, "I need to get this in front of me." Um, he he basically, I don't, I'm not going to be able to find it on the Ishtar. Um, they he basically states that um, have we learned nothing from our history? He touches on the fact that thousands of kings rose and fell, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, during the Dark Ages, and have we learned nothing of our history? So it can be inferred uh, through that and other mentions that New Monarchy doesn't want just a single unimpeachable character, a single sovereign of unimpeachable character. They want a single sovereign of un- unimpeachable character named Commander Zavala, who uh, mm-hmm. has refused the role, uh, according to just that little line of dialogue but it's interesting to note that uh they think of him that highly Mm. so i mean it is it is uh sort of interesting like they actually did pick the person of unimpeachable character because only someone that fit that was that would actually like say no i will not be the individual ruler of (laughs) Of the last city. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. They made a good choice, at least. Yeah. So there's one. There's one like positive thing about Numenor. They could have. They could have <laughs> chose Shax, and he would have been like, "Oh hell yeah, Saladin, get out!" <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Do we want 
touch on the characters themselves or you just want to touch on the factions? Uh, there's not yeah. much on the characters, really. Uh, we just we just have yeah. the uh, cards. Yeah, just the we like, can just do the factions. Uh, okay. Basically, I think the only thing that we actually know about Executor Hideo was that what was it? Uh, spin metal. He uh, used to uh, sell or make. He's. It, it mentions he's a. Uh, he was a merchant and he's quite wealthy. Uh, yeah, he's. He, he, he does, looks like Triple Rick. He does look like Ari. Oh my he? god! Oh my gosh! I just realized that. Wow, that's insane. Looking at his card right now. <laughs> it's a like Triple Triple Rec makes comments on it all the time too. But it's I was gonna it's say hilarious. like don't 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 get us hated. No, no, he lo- he's like it's your executor's talking. <laughs> <laughs> now I, I might have to bring that up with a, another community member named um, named Spexel, who uh, her bot is named. Executor Hideo. Ask about that one. <laughs> Get a picture of Triple Rec on there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyways, moving on to the least, the worst faction out of the three, uh, Dead Orbit. Um, <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> right. So too soon. Too soon. I guess I'll have one of our two, uh, <laughs> one of our two followers of the Darkness uh, go ahead and touch on Dead Orbit. Go for it, Adam. Plasteel manufacturing. God, sorry. Apple steel. Okay. <laughs> it was going to bug me if I didn't get it. Uh, so, Arak Jalal is uh, one of the... Arak is the uh, like equivalent of Executor. It's, it's the title. It's not his name. So, Jalal, mm-hmm. um, the Grimoire Dead Orbit rep. Uh, Jalal is a man driven by the ghost of, the dead fu- of a dead future. Critics accuse Dead Orbit of nihilistic fatalism, and Jalal would be the first to agree that Earth is lost, the city a fatal trap. The Iraqs have no time for sentiment. Only an alien miracle prevented human extinction during the collapse. Jalal dreams of a... What? What is, what is that supposed Dis- to be? Diaspora. <laughs> oh, is that actually what it is? Diaspora? Yeah. <laughs> dreams yeah. of a diaspora to come... Humanity ascendant shattered, scattered across the stars, too far flung for any single threat to reach. Jalal's utilitarian, uh, utilitarian practicality drives him to bend laws and break rules in the name of Dead Orbit's great project. When the ultimate goal is human survival, any sacrifice can be justified. Yeah, diaspora uh, de- is, uh, it refers to the movement of the population from its original homeland. Oh. See, I thought it was supposed to be like disapproval. <laughs> I mean, you dismiss well most people no. should disapprove dead orbit cool colors, <laughs> so, right dead orbit uh, absolutely like every every group is an extremist uh no one no one's sitting here just casually in the city saying hey join us or or don't you know we don't really have an agenda uh they all have they all have a very strong agenda and they all very strongly believe it dead orbit believes uh very clearly we're, we're we're just waiting to die if we're gonna stay in the city. We 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 beat the darkness practically on a technicality, and we're not gonna be able to do it again. We're not strong enough, and I completely agree. At this very moment in time, we are not strong enough to defeat the darkness again. And the best thing to do is to get out. We have to spread across the system. A lot of us are gonna die. It's like no one's no one's saying like it's gonna be a. A happy time like leaving our <laughs> galaxy 
A lot of us are going to find planets w- which we can't live on, and we're just going to run out of food and die. Other planets are going to be uh, populated by alien races that don't want us there, and we're going to go to war with them for their planet, and we'll win or lose. A lot will die. But it's the fact that it's spreading out to such a point that no matter what, we, the human race will live on. And it's, it's the ultimate goal, you know, that just, just because we're fractured and small doesn't mean we're gone. And every other, every other faction seems to think like we actually, actually only, only new monarchy actually thinks we stand a chance at winning this war, the future war cult just thinks it's always going to happen. Like we'll, we'll always be at war, but, uh, (laughs) it's, it's not a, it's not a winning battle in my opinion whatsoever. We won't get into a, uh, a debate here. I, I I do want to mention one other thing before you move on from dead orbit, (laughs) as much as I hate talking about them. Um, what's, what's interesting about them is that, um, their card, just the general two sentence card says, um, their focus is, uh, on the building of a star or a star faring fleet cobbled together from the ashes of our past and the spoils of war. As of, uh, as of our current status, uh, dead orbit and besides guardians jump ships, of course, has the only, uh, star faring fleet. Uh, that is known to, um, of, of course, discounting the um, the captured fallen vessels of um, of the reef, which most of them were destroyed in the Battle of Saturn. Of course, um, as of right now, they're they're really the only star-faring fleet that is associated with the city. So they have a very important role. Is even as they try to attempt to leave the city, they have a very important role in the defense of the city through this mm-hmm. fleet that they're building. So they play a very important role in the politics of the city, especially through uh, the rules that they're playing in the defense of it. Yeah. Um, they don't. They might not have uh, organized tenants, but they do have at least one known tenant from uh, a quest step. Uh, another future lies out among the orbit of other stars. Dead orbit tenant. Which just uh, reinstates what, or uh, not reinstate the word forces, or yeah, reinforces uh, what I was saying earlier. How it's it's about getting out to another star to uh, to survive. And who knows that maybe the darkness doesn't come after us, but we'll never know until it doesn't, we... it doesn't want us. It doesn't definitely doesn't <laughs> want us. Well. Well, we'll get into that another time. I don't want to... Without without reading the whole card, uh, the Ghost Fragment Dead Orbit shows how uh, the Dead Orbit's extremists are. Um, The Rep card says how they will break the rules uh, to get their agenda across. Uh, The Ghost Fragment shows an Iraq doing just that. Instead of informing the city of uh, something that they picked up on our radar, of something looking valuable in the reef, they just went out to go get it, and uh, the reef guard, the Awoken guard, uh, shot them down and essentially left them to die out in the reef. And they they found something interesting. Uh, we don't we don't know anywhere near enough to really talk about it on what it was, but it's just to show 
how they operate. Mm-hmm. Mm. They 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 whisper. They plot. <laughs> they, they they don't they don't even have anything really set up. You can you can um, tell a lot about each faction based on their location. The new monarchies sitting up close, um, watching the speaker, uh, all cozy with their fire. Future work hole is in the hangar and their little loft, which overlooks everything. And Dead Orbit is just sitting there, just down in the corner, just like nothing set up. They're ready to leave. Mm-hmm. They, they don't want to be there. They're standing in a puddle of water. Yeah, mm-hmm. he really doesn't want to be there. The little flavor text when you talk to a rock is uh, they maintain a, uh, what's the word, Begr- begrudging. A, uh, mm. presence in the tower. They don't actually want to be there, so that's a great yeah. point. So you, you touched on them, and I guess we can move on to um, the future war cult. Um, yeah. Well, where do you even start with these guys? Uh, <laughs> this, uh, future war cult's probably yeah. the most complex of the factions, I'd like to say. Uh, their goal... I can agree with that. Their goals are not even the most clear out of the three factions. Uh, the quote in their um, in their card is, "There is no future but now, no truth but war." Uh, and you have to look you have to look a little bit deeper into their cards to find out exactly what they want. What are their uh, What are the factions' goals? Um, but FWC, as I'll refer to them. Um, they basically, they don't. They're not entirely concerned with the defense of the city. They're not entirely concerned with leaving the city. They're concerned with just one thing: war. <laughs> they they don't want to completely understand the darkness. They don't necessarily want to defend the last city. They don't necessarily want to leave the last city. They all they're concerned with is finding a way to combat the darkness in any possible way that we can possibly fight this unknowing uh this foe that we have um that we're having to face up against um and that's about really all we know about like this straight knowledge of the war cult the rest of their goals the rest of their aspirations are pretty shrouded in mystery if uh one of you guys want to touch up on that yeah, uh, I, I'll just kind of read Lakshmi's card real quick too, because um, that kind of just exp- kind of dives into the character of the faction a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, "There's nothing Lakshmi too likes more than secrets. Her origins are unknown. Her appearance in the city was abrupt. She courts select guardians for initiation into the higher mysteries of the future war cult, espousing a brutal philosophy of endless struggle." Those who can tolerate Lakshmi's mocking hints and bloody-minded philosophy find her surprisingly good company. She seems to take genuine joy in her work, as if the secrets she guards have taught her to treasure every moment. Uh, so if that just brought up ten more questions than that you didn't even have before, then yeah, that's future work, because that's what they do. Um, FWC is... Uh, there's, a, there's a quote somewhere in the game that FWC is nothing without its secrets. They are, um, their inner circle is, we don't know who they are, we don't know what their exact aspirations are besides that of their endless struggle against the darkness and war, but, uh, 
Um, they're very, we, we know a little bit about, we know a little bit more about them than we do the other factions, but even then, uh, there's a lot about um, the inner workings that we still haven't entirely learned much about. Mm-hmm. And I, for, Lakshmi is probably my favorite uh, NPC in the tower. Um, she has some of the best quotes mm-hmm. out there. Um, yeah, she she absolutely does. Like as much as I don't like Super Oracle, <laughs> I do want to admit that she does have some of the best quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, although some of them are infuriating because she kind of takes on the same role as the speaker. And Yeoman will say, "You know, the speaker's kind of he's known for the lines of I could tell you this, but I won't.'" <laughs> And she literally tells you, like, you can like you can search for her quotes on like Destinypedia or Wiki, Destiny Wiki, um, and it's, you know I could tell you about the battle, you know, on the moon, but I won't. Or yeah. it's like, oh, like another an- war story. <laughs> yeah, another war story. That's that's uh, it seems uh, just really quick. It seems like a lot of her war stories revolve around the moon. Mm-hmm. so it might just be that's where the main war was um the battle the original tr- attempt to retake the moon it wasn't just the battle of marimbrium it was a, a, like i was gonna say global but um whatever an entire uh attempt to retake the entire moon and it was just a bunch of fails not not just the one with crota it was just like a universal we are losing this fight <laughs> it's known yeah. as the great disaster for a reason exactly yeah yeah and um i think she has one quote that i think we can all appreciate um like my the favorite quote i think she has is uh says what do i think of new monarchy ha 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 ha, ha. <laughs> i don't really <laughs> i've actually i've uh, i've sat in front of her <laughs> As I like browse my the internet, and I'll just sit in front of her and listen to her quotes, and I actually laughed audibly at that. That was, mm-hmm. uh, that was <laughs> each, each faction has their uh, mock for the other two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back and forth a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> she, um, I just one other thing before we move on is uh, Lakshmi is voiced by the exceptionally talented uh, Shora Gashlu. Uh, who's a voice actor uh, you may know from other games like uh, she voices Anna um, from Overwatch um, and I'm getting her other major role that I posted on Twitter several months ago but I don't remember she she also (laughs) was in the release in uh, Star Trek release as well Um, she had a minor role in she's a fabulous actor and I love her work but uh, moving on from there (laughs) (laughs) Before I start uh, doing all of that. Yeah, so next, you know, another kind of mainstay in the tower is Lord Shax. Lord um, Shax. So, oh, yeah. So from, from his grimoire card, uh, the Crucible Handler. Uh, Lord, Lord Shax is one of the heroes of the Battle of the Twilight Gap, having led the counterattack that pushed the Fallen from the city walls. Fearing that the, another full-scale attack would be more than the city could repel, Shax chose to stay in the city to mentor guardians in the Crucible. One day, Shax vows to return to the war beyond the city, but only after the, he is confident the fires of the Crucible have forged a new generation of warriors. He so is... it looks like he, uh, yeah, he looked around and saw a lot of weak guardians and decided to mm. take on the training. He, um, he's a character. <laughs> <laughs> he's... Um... 
he's quite fond of himself. Uh, if you hear him, he, he says, uh, uh, you're looking for the crucible. I am the crucible. He <laughs> sees himself as the premier mentor for this new generation of guardians that he hopes by throwing themselves in live fire training against each other might actually help them somewhere down the line, which, um, unless you're looking to get Pelton in the face by a sniper rifle 10 seconds every minute. Uh, <laughs> or, wait, 10 seconds every minute. Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> goodness gracious. It's early. <laughs> it is. It is. We're, we or are late, going. depending on your... <laughs> we're recording time. this at 3 o'clock in the morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is... <laughs> blame, blame and on for that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, of course. <laughs> That's actually not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that wasn't my fault. Had to work, but um, just this, to... this was kind of interesting to me because it kind of to me paints the picture that you know while all, all we like we kind of set the precedent earlier that you know all guardians are you know at the basics, the basis you know, like forged in the traveler's light and can wield light as a weapon, but this kind of shows that not all guardians are like equal you know we kind of know that from as far as you know whether they can control the storm callers power and things like that but you know just because these guardians had these powers they were still not warriors in shax's eyes and so you know they lose a giant battle you know on the moon and you know that was kind of Kind of, I think the stage where Shax was like, "All right, we need to, uh, <laughs> we need to get better." Mm-hmm. He, uh, he, uh, he's a very experienced uh, guardian. We know at least a little bit about him, um, leading up to where he stands with both hands on his hips, on looking like a uh, BA uh, in the tower. Um, he is known as a hero, as we touched on, as a hero during the Battle of Twilight Gap. Uh, and that really gave him a lot of respect in the city. He, you'll see him in a couple of cards going, just running into the consensus, uh, trying to change the minds of uh, the consensus and the vanguard from attacking the moon. And... <laughs> He doesn't. He doesn't get thrown out. He's he's just mm-hmm. rushing in there, uh, interrupting a meeting of some of the most important people in the in the solar system. And uh, he's not thrown out. He's he's listened to by Zavala. Um, so he holds a great deal of influence in the city. Where he he's not technically part of the vanguard. He's not technically part of the consensus. But his word. Um, has a lot of influence in the city. Uh, so he's a very, very important individual because of his accomplishments, um, both during Twilight Gap and afterwards, uh, like during the Battle of Burning Lake, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it kind of, you get the feeling that he kind of cleaned uh, cleaned things up a bit. Uh, you know, the Crucible existed before Shax became the handler, but um, it would kind of had this place of you know, just like the dark ages themselves like lawlessness you know there wasn't much order to it there was you know in the city there was gambling and there were you know people with uh tex mechanica were trying to fix matches to try to make their weapons look better and you know he kind of just 
you know, he didn't put up with that. You know, he kind of cleaned it up. He sent Arkite down to the city and <laughs> basically said, if you try to fix any of my matches, I'll kill you. So he's, you know, he's a hothead. He's, you know, like you said, he jumps into the middle of a consensus meeting. Um, you know, and he yells at you while you play Crucible all the time. And, you know, even the battle that he's famous for had to do with him pretty much disobeying a direct order to not pursue the fallen and but everything he does he does so with passion like it's you know he does it because he cares because he mm-hmm. wants what's best and maybe he just doesn't agree with what he's being told or <laughs> he feels he knows the best way to do it and he's gonna he has confidence in himself and his actions you know um his, his i'm not sure if it's actually uh confirmed that Shax and uh, Saladin don't get along. I'm not sure if it's confirmed that it's because Shax uh, broke orders at Twilight Gap or not. But I have actually read a thing. I'll I'll, I'll get a, a more info on it. We can talk about Shax more in depth on another episode. But I just sort of want to um, propose the, the theory that I was reading about. Uh, Shax's counterattack actually could have. Just because it did work doesn't mean it wasn't like the dumbest thing you could have done in that moment. Uh, how it did work, but not because he saved the day. It wasn't that he saved the day. It was that the rest of the defenses were strong enough to still hold off the, the attack after he broke orders. Uh, there's actually, I think it was the civil war. There was a similar, there's a similar act, and it's like widely agreed that the guy who broke orders and instead of holding the defenses went out to attack. Like it's a miracle that they still won the battle, even though he was like an idiot and decided, no, I'm going to do something <laughs> different. Uh, but it's, it's very possible that Shax isn't so much a hero and is just lucky in this case. Yeah, no, that's very true. It's entirely a possibility. I haven't heard um hadn't heard about this uh <laughs> Yeah. Um and uh, one of the groups I'm in they're they, like they, they bring up this argument like once a month, they just come back to it, <laughs> start fighting. They're like, That doesn't say anything and it's like that like you can't look at physical history that is very parallel to this battle. And then be like, but this battle was different. Like, that's not how <laughs> war works. Like, this is, it's, it's, you know, it, it's, it's actually happened. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's definitely, uh, definitely someone I think we'll be seeing more of in the future. Besides just in the Crucible, I, I he definitely will have. An increased role more than just forging our swords, I think, sometime in a future release of Destiny. He's too important to the lore uh, not to include him in something. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, inc- speaking of being important to the lore, uh, Zer. We he's not important. He's, he's <laughs> not important. His, his masters he's, are, but... He's merely a trash collector. <laughs> he says that himself, doesn't he? He does. <laughs> uh, uh, Zer, so Zer, uh, according to the, uh, the on the Grimoire card, Agent of the Nine, 
Berserk sells objects of legendary power. He accepts his own currency in service of his own enigmatic goals, or those of equally cryptic masters. Mysterious, too, is the nature of his presence in the tower. Does he have some arrangement with the vanguard or the speaker? Are there those among the guardian elite who understand Zer's nature and ultimate purpose? Or have all efforts to control his comings and goings simply failed? So there's kind of been a common, you know, know, no one really knows, you know, if if Zer is allowed in the tower by the speaker, the vanguard, or if he just kind of comes and goes as he, according to him, he comes and goes as he pleases. But whether that's what Zavala would say or not is a different story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we know he has connections to the the nine. Uh, he's an agent of the nine. Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, I saw this thing, and I wish I I can't find it. I, I looked for it really quick. Uh, where people took a, like five lines of his quotes and they actually string together to be a pretty like coherent statement that talk about um, how the it ends saying how the nine will remember for us like whatever is going to happen like they they are are sort of like there for us uh, mm-hmm. really I think his quotes are some of the best. Um, the only really uh place that you can get any info any reliable i suppose information yeah. on him and the nine at this point like everything else is just practically hearsay he actually if we're to believe him uh he actually is controlled by the nine so it's mm-hmm. the things he says the things he does like these are the agenda or this is the agenda of the nine mm-hmm. yeah yeah like one of the cool things like he says is you know in reference to his like race or his species and he says the awoken did not make a choice but we did yeah and so it's it's kind of interesting yeah. phrasing there uh one of one of my favorites actually is what you started with uh he's merely a trash collector of the nine so um I look at that and I'm like okay well if he's merely a trash collector of the nine his movements are not his own that means he comes to us uh to collect and he's collecting strange coins S- strange coins are entirely useless to everybody except for Zer and he's calling himself a trash collector of the nine does that mean like strange coins are actually trash even to the nine like it, it sort of made it feel like strange coins don't actually have any purpose or power. It's more of like a ritualistic act of like, like I'm completing my half of the ritual. Now you complete your half and make me more powerful type yeah. of thing. So what you're saying and on is that, um, you almost think that uh, Zer is like part of a, well, the Nine or part of like a, a cult almost. Mm-hmm. So along those lines, there is a cult that exists within Destiny lore. And uh, it is, of course, the Church of Paean. 
at all. And no. No. So this part's uh, getting cut out. No. Please. <laughs> We're not doing that. I don't think Billy would forgive me if I didn't include at least one reference. Oh, he can, he can he could go ahead and not forgive you. <laughs> 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 Anyways, yeah. um, it's it's definitely interesting. I I, I haven't I hadn't uh, considered that. Um, you because I, I Zer and the Nine are one section of the lore that I personally have next to no knowledge of. Uh, mm-hmm. I they've never interested me because we know next to nothing about them. Uh, besides yeah. the fact that they are somewhat allied with guardians uh their motives seem to be supportive of guardians i, I don't know if that includes the city but go ahead <laughs> uh i i just have like really a hope because it's still entirely possible i really have a hope for the nine that they don't exist they don't they don't physically exist they um out in the Jovians, like, and it's, I don't really want to call it a theory because it's really just something like this is like <laughs> how I love a story to go where something is like built up to be the answer. And then when the answer is needed, there is no answer. Like, we're building up the nine to be so powerful. Uh, the speaker is quoted if only the nine will help people say how how strong they are and how like effective they are and all that stuff. And Zer is coming to us with this agenda, and even his will is not his own because the nine are so strong. And I just like I'd be so happy if like shit really hits the fan and everything is going wrong and we cannot survive. And our last hope of the city is to contact the nine and beg for them to come save us. And we like make an expedition out to the Jovians and we find the temple and, it's and then inside the temple. It's, it's just, it's statues. <laughs> it's pain. It's empty. No, it's empty. <laughs> it's got statues and it's got Zer and that's it. it. There's no, there is no nine. It's just <laughs> Zer is this crazy, uh, person who's essentially just been coming to us talking about the nine and we are so desperate so in need of something to believe in that we believed it that we believed there was mm-hmm. something out there and it, like i would i would love like i know it's not going to happen but because <laughs> i know i would i would be so happy but like 90% of the destiny everybody else would be like are you kidding me they would just like <laughs> snap their controllers in half and be like that's the fucking or you know, like they would because they, they don't they don't appreciate good story but I mean like hey, what? <laughs> Jeez. moving on <laughs> yeah, now we got everyone's favorite character in the tower uh, oh, goodness. Well, uh, uh, if you don't mind uh, really quick one more thing that Zer says and it's sort of in line with what I like really hope uh, one last thing that Zer says is Silamar. Silomar's wrath. Silomar is an Iron Lord, and Zer just randomly says his name, and there are statues of Iron Lords, and I really, really hope that there's just an empty temple, and Zer is just sitting at an empty temple, (laughs) and there's no such thing as the Nine. Like, I just want it so bad. 
Oh, you're you're a special case. You know that. I won't let it go. But <laughs> but it's gonna let's turn go into a pay in type jerk. thing. No, no, my God, no. Oh, anyways, moving on to the blue-faced a-hole. <laughs> the cryptarch. The cryptarch, which oh. he. Uh, I, I will. We'll go ahead and read his card. I'll. I'll touch on that um so the cryptarch or master rahul as he's also known uh master rahul's insatiable curiosity drove him to the tower where as resident crypto archaeologist he can work directly with guardians returning from the frontier he decrypts matter in grams as a free service and when he builds trust with particular guardian he is happy to offer rare engrams for sale although the scarcity of these artifacts force him to ask for glimmer in compensation although it's uh legendary marks nowadays um rahul's true love is history he treats each new find as a chance to understand the glory of the golden age or the terrible truth of the collapse listen careful to his murmurings he may be the first to understand yeah so cryptarchs and the lore of destiny are kind of are similar to warlocks as far as like the scholar part and so warlocks and their and cryptarchs are kind of focused on kind of discovering what happened during in the collapse, you know, the histories we lost during the dark ages, you know, the technologies we had during the golden age. And so that's kind of their purpose, their uh, skills. Um, the cryptarch, they lack the, the warrior side of it where the warlocks ha- also have the warrior aspect to the so. scholars. So what you're saying is a uh, is that the cryptarchs are secondhand warlocks? Pretty much. I know there's a reason <laughs> I hated them. <laughs> uh, God hates hunters, as that sign said at DCC. <laughs> there was not a sign that said that. <laughs> there was a uh, there was a gentleman that brought in a sign that uh, looked like the uh, signs that um, the Westboro yeah. Baptist Church carried, and it said. God hate God hates hunters, and uh, there's a guy in a full warlock costume that held it up for plenty of pictures. <laughs> it was it was great. <laughs> oh, that was that I don't was know one how of the I highlights. Feel about that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know exactly how you feel. <laughs> I'm gonna see posts on Twitter about this pretty soon. Our Baxter will be there to console you, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so decrypting in grams gives us it somehow gives us insights into uh, the golden age and truth of the collapse. The crypt the engrams are um, condensed matter. I would put them as uh, where they contain records of history. They contain transmission logs. They contain the guns that. Uh, that you dismantle immediately as soon as you get from them. Uh, and they just contain information about our past that helps uh, shed more light on exactly what happened to us. Mm-hmm. And that's something that certainly we need to know more about, I think. Uh, being Not being a member, or not being an adherent of the Praxic, the Praxic uh, seal or being a carrier of the Cormorant myself, uh, I do believe we need to learn more about the Golden Age, the Collapse, and the Dark. 
um, like like this, like his card, his uh, grimoire card say, listen carefully to his murmurings. He may be the first to understand. Uh, th- that's like very true. If if you hang out with him, he he says some very uh, like as disgusting as it is. He says some very amazing things. Um, one of my favorites was Oryx Dead King. Oryx Dead King. Three words. Nine word bursts over and over. Osiris. So it's <laughs> like, um, it's he's been saying that back since Vanilla, and connecting Osiris to Oryx, and I don't know if it's trying to say uh, Oryx is the dead king or Oryx the father the dead king. Like it's, I feel like that even that. Just because we've defeated Oryx, the Taken King, I feel like that quote still hasn't completely uh, been answered as to what it's about. And um, uh, another good one was House Winter from the ruins of Caracas. Were they there at the collapse? Which, that is monumental. The idea mm-hmm. that the Elixni were actually here at the collapse. So were they here before the collapse, or did they just come as, as, like immediately as everything was going down? Like it seems insanely coincidental that they would just so happen to have been here right at the collapse. So I feel like, <laughs> and there's other evidence to suggest it. I feel like the Elixni were here before the collapse. And uh, one last uh, good quote by him is. While we do know that we had the Golden Age, followed by the Collapse, uh, then the Dark Age, and now the City Age, uh, within the Golden Age, we have what he calls uh, a Wind Age, a Wolf Age, a presentiment, a presentiment of the Collapse, which, uh, just to say, a presentiment is a feeling about the future, especially uh, like a bad feeling. So it's trying to say, Within our golden age, we had other ages, and he's saying, "Are these were these like sort of uh, foreshadows? Like, did we almost see the collapse coming?" Mm. Entirely possible. Who uh, mm. uh, who knows if we'll ever get follow ups on those little snippets of uh, flavor text? But I, I think we will sometime in the future. Mm. Hopefully. It's very possible they'll just leave those flavor texts and quotes in there and then continue to let us divulge into them for years <laughs> without clarifying anything. We got seven <laughs> got seven years left, so we'll yeah. see. Yeah. Uh last character kind of that at least in vanilla destiny in the tower was uh was Saladin. Um definitely we'll be learning a lot more about Saladin. Um, the next few weeks with the rise of iron dropping. Um, but up to this point, kind of what we know is, you know, he was, you know, the, the he repped the iron banner. Uh, he was a hero to the city, uh, a legend, uh, battle of six fronts in Twilight Gap. Uh, he led the city's defenses during the, uh, the battle of Twilight Gap. Uh, he was, uh, his proteges were uh, Commander Zavala and Lord Shaxx. 
uh, and who now lead the Tower of Vanguard and the Crucible, respectively. Uh, Saladin remains close to Zavala, but his relationship with Shax has been strained since the Twilight Gap. Uh, so there's kind of theories about Saladin ordering to kind of hold the position and Shax marching on. Um, but yeah, what else? What do you guys have about Saladin? He's, um, you know, up until, uh, pers- this is another area of the lore I don't have uh, much information on myself, but uh, the Iron Lords, he's, um, he's an inspiring figure in, um, in the history of the city. He's, uh, he's this great, I, I don't know if he's an enigma, it's not the, that's not the word I'm looking for. He's, um, he's, he's iconic. He's iconic. That's, that's a great way to put it. He's, he's been, as far as we know, he's been alive for several centuries. If the timeline is to be believed that the iron Lords were there, at the city's founding that were there during, uh, the battle of six fronts. Um, Mm-hmm. So he's he's been around for a while. He's seen a lot, uh, a lot more than our guardian has. And it, if it's to believe, be believed, he's a very, um, a very seasoned individual that um, I think we'll be seeing um, a lot more from. Yeah, well, I like the uh, the Iron Banner Grimoire card, um, and it talks about how the the consensus and the speaker actually. Uh, order Saladin and Shax to cooperate in, in an administration uh, with the Iron Banner being a component of the Crucible. Uh, and it says, you know, now and then someone tries to get Savala, Shax, and Saladin to sit down for dinner and sort out their differences. But they remain as awkward and as stubborn as St. Fourteen's skull. <laughs> I like the analogy or the simile or whatever it is. <laughs> Saladin, um, is an interesting character. Like recently, uh, learning that he actually was an Iron Lord was was pretty interesting, and it's sort of hard to talk mm-hmm. about him now, knowing in eighteen so days, so much is coming. Yeah, <laughs> like we're gonna like it, it's just, it, it's like why would you try to describe this character now when you actually don't know this character at all? Like his mm-hmm. his story is around the corner, along with others, and it's it's really I'm really excited to see it. Yeah, it's interesting that up until kind of just the reveals for the Rise of Iron Star coming out, you know, we didn't know if Zavala or if Saladin was an Iron Lord or if he was just, you know, like a representative, representative for the tournament. Yeah. Of, tournament, you know, so it's yeah. you know already so we're learning so hold, much about holding it. the memory of the other iron of the Iron Lords, but not yeah. actually an Iron Lord himself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's definitely cool to kind of we're we're already learning new things. We know that. He's an Iron Lord. We know that Iron Lords were guardians or ghost havers. You know, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. To, yeah, exactly. Ghost so to try to talk about that now with so much coming would be kind of silly. <laughs> uh, I won't touch any more on him. Besides the fact that his voice actor, whose name escapes me, is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's something I think Bungie did an incredible job on. Uh, just the casting for the voices. Mm-hmm. All of them, even down to like Osiris and the the one mission that we hear his voice was you know, they do a fun, phenomenal job mm. but but uh, I think that's going to uh to bring this episode to a close 
Um, I know, sad. Uh, but we got we got a good good deal of overview done. Um, yeah. We still plan on uh, the next episode. I think we're going to kind of go through the vanilla storyline, um, yeah. kind of talk about the missions that you know when you turn on your game and after you see these cutscenes of you know the Eris One mission and the Traveler coming to Earth, and then yeah. your Guardian wakes up, what happens? And so we definitely want to kind of go through that. So essentially, this was the first mission. <laughs> yeah. this, this was this was the introduction to the tower. It's not looking good <laughs> for having short episodes. <laughs> we'll, we'll be here for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I no, think the so rest will go a little uh, smoother because there'll be less characters to really to walk through and mm-hmm. just more missions to talk about. So it'll be it'll be a lot yeah. better. This was the, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. So have thanks, uh, guys, for uh, for turning in. I think uh, I think I think Mike's trying to say something, but his mic is acting up. No, I'm, I'm no, I'm good. I just I cut myself off because <laughs> oh, you're okay. so much more important than I am, you know. <laughs> I mean, like as long as you admit it. <laughs> we got that out of the way. Episode one done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I say what you had to say. <laughs> I seriously don't have anything else to say. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> no. All right, this was fun. All right, yeah. So well, that's gonna do us do it here for us uh, tonight. Uh, feel free to check us out on Twitter. It's at Destiny Lorecast. Uh, you can email us at destinylorecast at gmail if you have any questions. Uh, in future episodes, we will have kind of segments for the show um, after you do the overview, and so we'll definitely we'll be doing a answers or questions from the fans and listeners. So if you have any questions. Definitely email us or hit us up on Twitter. We can we can talk about that for you. Yeah, definitely uh, hit us up on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Hit me up on Twitter. Yeah. Hey, where, where where can we find you on Twitter? At Mythos, at, uh, Mythos Mike, one word, without any of those stupid little underscores. <laughs> how, how about you, Anna? Where can we find you on Twitter? At A-N-O-N-P-I-G. And on pig. You can just call him pig. Uh, yeah, uh, you can find me Handsome Dragon on Twitter. Uh, the zeros are, or the O's are zeros. <laughs> zeros are silent. I know. <laughs> yeah, because like Xbox we're we're all cool with dumb. our original names, and then you just you just took it to it like. This, I know. This whole I know. <laughs> I, I I blame I, Xbox because they met some guy who hadn't played in ten years keep their gamer tag with the O's, and so then I had to use zeros and. Then I made my Twitch name with the zeros, and yeah, it's just kind of follow suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, See you next time.